What is up, bosses? Before we kick off this episode, let me tell you about our sponsor this week. I'm talking about Indeed. They are the job site that makes hiring as easy as one, two, three. You can post, screen, and interview all on Indeed. During the break, I'm going to tell you about all their features that make Indeed the best job site in the world. But if you want to check them out right now, we got a special offer for you. All you got to do is head over to indeed.com slash iLab, and we'll give you a free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post. That's at indeed.com slash I-L-A-B. One more time, indeed.com slash iLab. More info coming during the break. But until then, let's kick off this episode. Welcome to the Invest Like a Boss podcast. I'm Sam Marks. And I'm Johnny FD. We're self-made entrepreneurs who invest our own money and use modern technology to invest like a boss. Join us each week for exclusive interviews with our network of modern investors, business owners, and multimillionaires to discover new ways to invest our hard-earned cash. Hey bosses, this is Johnny and welcome to episode 183 of the Invest Like a Boss podcast. Sam is finally in his new flat in Barcelona and I am in Kiev, which this episode is about. Welcome to the show. Yeah, welcome Johnny. And is it safe to say that you're also in your new flat in Kiev? Yeah, finally, we're both actually in the properties that we bought. I feel like we've been talking about this for a long time. Um, but it's, uh, given COVID and everything, it's sort of unique circumstances that we're even able to be in these locations and in our new places. It's almost like things are normal again. Yeah, definitely. And actually one of the reasons why I like Kiev so much and the reason why I want to live here is the way they handled the lockdowns. It was like probably one of the easiest places in the world and be kind of very fair. And I just like how the government has worked. Meanwhile, Right now in Sri Lanka, I'm so glad I'm not there because they're under a super strict lockdown again, where people literally just cannot leave their house. It's like March 2020 all over again. Yeah, man, it's it's weird because when COVID broke out, we all were making guesses on where the best place to be was during COVID. And my bet was it's probably going to be in the USA simply because of like healthcare and stuff like that. And I was in Thailand and Spain when it broke out. Um, Turned out Thailand would have been a great place to be. Spain would have been a terrible place to be. And the US was, you know, it was probably up there and one of the better places to be, I would say, in terms Mm -hmm. of just being able to go out and do things. So, um, you know, but but what we saw during COVID, to your point, taught us a lot lot about where we might want to be if and when the next pandemic or some type of, of big event happens. And um, yeah, so I think, you know, for me, Spain probably wouldn't be a place that I would go if, mm. if the next pandemic broke out, but Thailand and the US, uh, I would definitely give some a lot of consideration to. Yeah, and I feel the same way about Sri Lanka. There's zero chance I would, I would want to be there during any kind of world pandemic. And mm-hmm. it's unfortunate because, you know, it is a beautiful country with a lot of benefits and I feel bad for them, you know, for their, their tourism suffering. But these, these are, you know, choices that they make and they've stuck to. So yeah, the, the U S you know, that was a good, you know, decent, decent, safe bet, I would say. Um, and I definitely want to hear a lot, actually, you know, everything about your Barcelona flat, but I actually think this might be a, an interesting, you know, upcoming episode where you and I just talk about our personal investments uh, into real estate and how that progress is going the renovations and everything. So I think this episode, we can talk about our, 
our kind of main topic of investing in foreign countries, especially Kiev and the possible opportunities here. I love it. Well, I'm excited to hear what's going on in Kiev. I know you got a great guest on that we're going to talk about and learn about a market that I don't think most of us have even considered. So I'm excited to hear about that. I've always thought Ukraine was a fantastic place to spend time, really smart people. I think there's a lot of entrepreneurship that's going to be emerging there in the, the years ahead. We can, we've all witnessed what's happened there with the tech boom um, from a from a developer standpoint, but that'll inevitably lead to a tech boom um, in terms of a startup ecosystem, I believe. So I'm excited to hear more about that. And then in the outro, let's talk a little bit about our own properties. Yeah, definitely. Because for anyone who hasn't been here, you might still have the misconception that Kiev is, you know, part of the Soviet Union still and it's backwards and, you know, the tech is terrible, but man, it is so far ahead and things have skyrocketed just in the last couple of years that have been coming here. I mean, the internet everywhere. I mean, even at my gym is, you know, more than 50 megabytes up and down, you know, the, the SIM card, you know, that you get at the airport is better, cheaper and faster, you know, without registration, you know, compared to, you know, the U.S., you know, tr- trying to get a SIM card in the U.S. or anywhere in uh, the EU or in Turkey where I just went. It was just such a pain in the butt. Yeah. And it was slow and expensive. You know, even Spain, I remember it was, it was expensive and I had to like wait for them to not be on Siesta to even get one. <laughs> well, we can touch base on that in the outro as well. <laughs> yeah. So Kiev is basically, even if you don't, you guys don't care about ever living here, this is a place that has a lot of opportunity, lots of risk, a lot of downsides. It's not easy, uh, and I don't recommend it for everyone. But if you're looking for some of the biggest possible returns, you know, I'm talking 10% to, in some cases, 17% returns, which we'll talk about in this episode. This is one of the few countries where it's even possible. And I was really excited when I had heard about KRER and that we were able to get the founder, John Sugan on, because we're going to be breaking down kind of three things. First is why Kiev Ukraine instead of other countries. Second is how you can invest here yourself as kind of a a personal uh, investor. Uh, And then third is how you can go through their fund, which is the Kiev Real Estate Recovery Fund. Uh, So really you have options for for everybody, you know, whether you're just going to go by yourself and you want to either hire them to to help you, or you want to just do it on your own, like I did, or you want to just sit back in your home country, you know, make US dollars or euros and just invest in this fund and get potentially big returns. I love it. Well, I think that's it, Johnny. I think without further ado, let's hear it from Johnny FD and John. This week's sponsor of Invest Like a Boss is one you've probably heard before because I think they're now our longest running sponsor and we love them because they are the best place to post a job. I'm talking about Indeed. Now, if you've listened to the show long enough, you know that when you evaluate an investment, you need to consider several factors. Well, the same applies when you're evaluating talent for your company and it can feel like there are an endless number of factors. That's where Indeed comes in. Indeed is the job site that makes hiring as easy as one, two, three. Post 
screen and interview all right on indeed and only indeed has features like their instant match it gives you quality candidates whose resumes on indeed fit your job description immediately they even have indeed skills tests and they've been shown on average to reduce your hiring time by 27 percent so indeed gets you the best candidates and quickly and we're going to speed up that process even faster for you because if you head over right now to indeed.com com/ilab you're going to get a free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post. Once again, that's a free $75 credit just for heading over to indeed.com/ilab. It's indeed.com/ilab. Offer valid through June 30th. Terms and conditions apply. All right, John, welcome to the show. How you doing? Good morning. Yeah, doing great. Thank you. How are uh, you today there in Kiev? Yeah, it's, it's funny that the first thing you noticed was that I was in Kiev because this is a very Soviet apartment I'm sitting in. Yeah, you can definitely tell the renovation. Uh, well, yeah, we'll probably get into this, but this is exactly why <laughs> one of the reasons we can get premium rents for our apartments because uh, our apartments don't look like that. Yeah. So actually what inspired me to want to invest in real estate in, in Kiev was really just out of frustration as a digital nomad or as a traveler who has been coming here for the last five years, every year it's been a, such a pain to find just a normal looking apartment. You know, right. the, you know, you either get a place like this that looks like, you know, your grandma lived here during the Soviet times yep. or you get a you know beautiful modern place where they charge, you know, maybe four times what maybe it should cost. Yep. And there's really nothing in between. Absolutely. Uh, that's a key characteristic of the Kiev market and uh, something perhaps we're able to take advantage of, which is, which is, a, which is a good thing. Yeah. So the funny thing is uh, I actually own this apartment. I, I just bought this. <laughs> yeah. I just got the keys. Thank you. Uh, I got the keys about a week ago and I Great. do plan on renovating it. I'm not going to keep this uh pink flower wallpaper. <laughs> Pretty nice wallpaper. I don't know. Yeah. But it, it is hard. Like it's such a pain to deal with contractors here to get quotes. I don't know what it's like in the US because I actually never renovated a place in the US, but I would imagine there it's at least easy for people to take your money and, and to get a quote. Here, I've been trying to get a price for the last maybe two weeks. I'm just like, just tell me how much it is. And they, they'll even come walk the place, spend two, three hours, and then I'll wait and I just I haven't heard back really f- from you know any of them uh, on a price right. quote. Well, I mean, I'd be glad to help you with that. Uh, maybe we could, I could introduce you to the guys that do our renovation. I mean, I there's it's more difficult because of the cultural differences and the language differences and Kiev. Uh, every city that you move to, I always uh, relate it with the, the car mechanic. Even in Canada, when I moved to a different city, you know, you got to find a good mechanic for your car and it's, it, it takes time. So the people you know and finding good people is, is always a process regardless of where you live. But Kiev is especially interesting. Uh, we were talking about it yesterday, actually, with some investors, how um, susceptible Kiev and the market there is to, you know, small changes. Whereas in the West, we're quite used to a stable market that um, can absorb certain changes. Kiev simply is like that. And when renovations pick up just a tiny bit, like they have in the last post-COVID last three months, all of a sudden you will start to experience exactly what you're experiencing. And that is, you know, uh, people are too busy and uh, it's either feast or famine in Kiev and it results in um, either really low prices and uh, ability to negotiate or 
we're already starting to see renovation prices skyrocket, uh, materials costs skyrocket, and uh, maybe we'll get a little bit more into this, but uh, I've been in banking most of my life and I'm, I, oh, I thought banks were important and stuff, but I had no idea the impact of no lending creates on uh, a market. And mm -hmm. uh, perhaps you're starting to feel that now. Um, no business has any inventory. Uh, the, the, the tile store doesn't have any tile. Why? Mm. They can't get any trade credit. They can't get any bank credit. They can't afford to have tile in the warehouse. So when demand picks up, there's no tile. And anyways, anyways, I'm sure you have some questions. Uh, I don't want to yeah, get yeah. too deep. No, into the that's, that's really interesting. And actually on the no credit kind of front, I think that's one of the reasons why housing prices uh, aren't you know that high here in Kiev is because yeah. basically nobody has a mortgage. Everybody has to pay cash for their properties. It is by far the the driving factor, and is is I like to try and keep things simple. It's it's the biggest catalyst to property prices in Kiev uh, to make our my investment strategy a long story short buy when there's no lending and sell when there's lending. I mean, in the West, we've seen unprecedented levels of QE, quantitative easing, uh, incredibly low interest rates, uh, money supply that's ridiculous, lending that's ridiculous. I mean, even now with the, um, what was it? Uh, the, uh, the, the 2007 crisis, the bailout in the United States was 6% uh, of GDP, which was greatly uh, criticized as a massive uh, bailout. The bailout for COVID is 30% of US GDP, five mm. times. The amount of, um, okay, anyways, uh, the, this, this excess cash in the system in the West has, is driving asset prices, is driving real estate prices, is driving stock prices. And whether you feel, that, I don't feel that that's sustainable, but I mean, it still has legs because I don't know what they can do with it, but that's again, another topic of conversation. The mm. point is, yeah, there has not been a single mortgage granted in Kiev for 14 years. Wow. Can you, can you imagine a market where you can't get a, a loan to buy an apartment for 14 years? Okay, they started a new pro mortgage program and the government was very happy to announce that in the first quarter of 2021, they had granted 45 mortgages, 45 mm. in three months. <clears throat> Anyways, yeah, um, who has, I mean, even in Canada or the United States, who has $200,000 in cash in a bag mm -hmm. To buy, an, to buy property. Not yeah. that many people. And Yeah. And, yeah. and as, speaking of that, I mean, the main reason why I decided to invest in Kiev is I feel like everything in the US is overpriced. And it's the same in Canada. It's the same in Barcelona. It's the same in pretty much, yes. you know, all the West. And you're exactly right, where if it wasn't for low interest rates, and not just low interest rates, but, you know, almost like free interest rates. Ridiculous. 30-year you know, yeah. at 1%. I mean, give me a break. Yeah. And, and it's almost silly almost not to take a 30-year mortgage or 40-year mortgage if you can get it, because you just lock in this money that's lower than inflation. It's, it's free money. But a lot of people don't realize right. that if you're parking that in an overpriced piece of property in the U.S., you know, Maybe, you know, maybe you'll be ahead, but maybe at the same time, like you just, you know, if you overpay $200,000 on a condo or a house, you know, in Vancouver and in California, yep. you're still $200,000 down. Yeah, 
Exactly. Well, I mean, that's a whole topic of conversation as well. And and they still, just like in the crisis of 2006, seven, they're pushing floating rate loans, which is uh, incredibly dangerous. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's a, that's a macro consideration as well as, as an individual, I, there's no, there's no way I'm not taking a loan at these interest rates and locking it in for 30 years. Like you said, even just put it in stocks. I mean, it's lower than inflation. You're going to make, it's free money. Yeah. But the point is, is it's driving the asset values. And really the point about Kiev is that has not happened in any way, shape or form. Mm. I mean, even FDI, foreign direct investment in Ukraine last year was zero and mm. almost impossible to believe. Most years it's $1 billion, which mm. is like, I like to say like an aircraft carrier. I mean, it's an incredibly small amount. If and the market in Kiev is um, very uh, susceptible to small changes in investment or lower interest rates, and the prices are down 75, 80%. I mean, it isn't gonna take a lot, regardless of any sort of logic to, to uh, increase property values there. I, I mean, I'm not trying to sell it. I just really believe in these fundamentals. And I think the, the fundamentals are pretty, pretty clear. Yeah, actually, so I was talking to a Ukrainian friend last night about property prices, and they unfortunately bought, I think in 2014, it was kind of at the peak of the, you know, of property prices. And now his, you know, his property, even in 2021 is down significantly, uh, mainly, mainly because he's actually not in Kiev, he bought in um, his hometown, which is a, a small city. But I, okay. I was having uh, the discussion with him that maybe it, it's in Grivna, the, the property prices actually have gone up. It's just that the Grivna never recovered to the dollar. So is that really kind of the, the big reason is just from the, the Grivna depreciation uh, from, you know, it used to be worth like, what, eight to a dollar. Now it's 27 to a dollar. And right. like, I, I personally feel like it's going to be pretty stable at around 27, you know, f- for the foreseeable future. But like, what are your thoughts on this? Well, first of all, the the economy, regardless, is dollar based, and I mean they have a they have a soft peg to the dollar, which results in um, very jerky movements of of the of the uh, foreign exchange rate, um, and in my opinion, is quite predictable. Uh, if you look at the the underlying factors of of wages, of salaries, of property prices, of asset prices, of of costs, of the Big Mac index, of a price of a loaf of bread, the price of a car, uh, really prices in Kiev have been very stable on a dollar basis over the last ten years. So. Um, all properties transacted in dollars. Mm-hmm. And in fact, when you sign a contract, as you probably know, your price was in dollars and maybe you pay in grievance, but you just pay in the, that amount of grievance on the day of that dollar exchange rate. Mm-hmm. So it's really a dollar pegged asset value. I'm not going to ever say that, you know, should the, the grievance fall, that there's a period of um, time when salaries need to catch up with that. And it does affect the ability of uh, domestic purchasers of, of real estate. I mean, they're unable to buy real estate because their their salaries have relatively fallen and it takes some time to catch up. But I have not really seen a, a massive impact on, on, on real estate due to currency fluctuations. I, um, so I think it's a little bit little bit over overestimated perhaps mm. I, I think a lot of the i think a lot of the news about ukraine I, I mean i'm i'm writing an article right now for release to our to some of our investors about how the spotlight well news in general as we know is is likes to be sensational and likes mm. to over 
disclose certain facts. And the spotlight on Ukraine tends to be relatively uh, negative, where the, uh, I, I would imagine, everyone that comes to visit Kiev is so, so surprised. At, yeah, blown at, away. Like, at the infrastructure, yeah. at the quality of food, the restaurants, the internet quality, it's it's insane. It's it's yeah. compared to the U.S. Yeah. or Canada, it's we're light years ahead in in, in many aspects. It's uh, yeah, it's amazing. It's uh, and uh, I'm 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 a big believer in it, obviously. But I'm not a believer in it because I'm there. I'm there because I believe in it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm talking about it all the time. Uh, I'm currently in Barcelona, and the level of infrastructure here, the level of service, the level of entrepreneurship, hard work, government care, government mm-hmm. uh, bureaucracy. Uh, you know, Kiev has the benefit of being able to go from the worst in the world to the best of the world and skip all these steps that, and uh, it's it, every day. I always say that just as I'm about to really start complaining about something, it changes and it becomes one of the best things in the world. Um, I, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I actually, you know, I remember <clears throat> two years ago when I was here last, my favorite right. kind of area was by this uh, Olympus Gum Metro station. And, and the okay. only thing that was missing were good coffee shops, right. uh, kind of within that easy walking distance. And I remember there was like a Aroma Kava, which is kind of like the Tim Hortons of, <laughs> of Kiev, not, not a very good quality right. coffee shop. And this right. other terrible place called Happy Cake that didn't have internet. And that was kind of like my choices. You're right. <laughs> but this year that I'm back, there are probably yep. like 20 coffee shops within walking distance and, and, and just things have changed so quickly. Like my coffee's really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's, it's fantastic. No, they're yeah. entrepreneurial people and uh, I am blown away. You know, I love watching, uh, you can watch entrepreneurship capitalism at work as mm-hmm. stores are turning over and they're opening new stores and everyone opens the same store, half of them go under and then they open new stores and it's constantly turning and, constantly moving and uh the good ideas stick and uh yeah i mean we've um especially in the last couple of years the government instituted what's called a fop which is like a personal entrepreneurship and it moved from a salary-based structure and taxes of 50 percent to this to this five percent uh, top line tax for for individual entrepreneurs and it literally takes like an hour to open up your own personal entrepreneurial business and we moved a couple of years ago from uh, salaried employees to people with a, a two or three person business mm-hmm. and they provide superior service at a superior cost mm-hmm. and their entrepreneurship and they're, they're working on the weekends and evening, which doesn't necessarily happen in some places like where I am right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's as an investment in a market, I think that's really underestimated. We were talking about this with uh, friends yesterday about how the, the work ethic, ethic of a culture, of a society, of, a, of an economy is so important to the, the growth of that economy. And it's often, um, well, we were talking about Barcelona, how the, the, the risk of, uh, of, of service and hard work here is, is underpriced. And the, the effects of the entrepreneurial um, uh, spirit in Kiev is 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 not priced in at all, and it's mm-hmm. you know it's interesting to think about. It's an important factor. Yeah, absolutely. And the funny thing is, my co-host Sam, he bought an apartment in Barcelona, okay. where he's sitting. Uh, oh yeah, <laughs> I think For it's an price. Yeah, it was Jordan. really expensive. I think it was probably five times the price of, of my place, similar size, you know, kind of similar location in the city center, but he's yep. still under renovation. I think it's been eight months. You know, yep. it's, 
and it's like I'm, I'm sure me, me and him will talk about it during the outro but it's like night and day difference between kiev and barcelona like pricing wise work ethic just ease of doing things i can do a complete destruction of an apartment and convert it into office and renovation takes three four months maximum or mm -hmm. really nice residential resident renovation in six seven months i mean I had people come here to paint. They showed up at 10.30 in the morning. They brought a couple buckets in and then they were leaving. And I'm like, where are you going? And they're like, well, now we have to go for breakfast. And I was like, didn't you have breakfast at home? And they go for breakfast and then they work for an hour and then they go for lunch and then they work for a couple hours and then they go for dinner and, and siesta. Anyways, yeah. <laughs> no, it, and there's just no time value of money. Time isn't worth anything. So yeah, it's a... It's a factor too. Yeah. So actually, let's talk a bit about a couple of your your deals. You guys started mostly with residential, and you kind of moved to more commercial. Can you talk about that? Sure. Um, well, it's a, it's a, it's a general trend in in, in the Kiev market uh, that it kind of goes residential, office, and then retail, and uh, that's one factor. The second factor is that uh, in 2014, 2015, whatever, Russia invaded Eastern Ukraine, mm -hmm. took Crimea. The uh, Western embassies in Kiev doubled, tripled their staff, and mm. even more so with uh, advisors that they brought in, military advisors, economic advisors. And so we were doing renovations um, different from where you are sitting. Mm -hmm. And uh, we rent almost exclusively to embassy level staff. So that's why we were doing residential, um, uh, being able to do a, a, a different renovation again, because there's no lending, no one can afford to do a renovation in Kiev. No one has $20,000 to repaint or to mm -hmm. fix up an apartment. So none of the apartments are renovated. Uh, to get advisors and uh, embassy staff to go to Kiev, they need to have a certain standard of living mm -hmm. and the governments have a budget for that. So that was at that time for the next couple of years, that was a, a very profitable area for us. Yeah. So um, actually however, on that note, mm -hmm. I've actually seen some of these because uh, not in Kiev, but I was in Tbilisi and I had a friend, she was working uh, as a diplomat. Right. And I remember, you know, in Tbilisi, the apartments were pretty nice, actually, even compared to Kiev. They're a little bit more to a Western standard. So I was very comfortable. And then I went to her apartment and I was like, oh, my God, I'm back in the U.S. It really felt yeah. like I was in the U.S. Inside her apartment or even just the entranceway, just kind of the whole experience. I yep. felt like I was back in America. It was the first time I saw a pantry. It was the first time I saw kind of Western you know, style furniture and just everything kind of just worked and everything was just like in the right place. Like the light switches are, were in the right place instead of being on the other side of the door. <laughs> like, like I can tell how it makes you feel like uh -huh. these are small things, but they're incredibly important when uh, an embassy member, one member of the family mm -hmm. gets hired in Kiev and has to move the entire family, their partner, their children, and the partner uh, doesn't speak the language. They don't have a job. The kids have to go to school. They're really, I don't know if they're unhappy. Maybe they like the adventure, but they're, you know, they want, we say, we say we're trying to make a nest, you know, mm -hmm. so they feel at home. So they have a place to escape. You know, you're not escaping, but you need a place to relax and let your, be able to relax and get away from just all the cultural and language changes mm -hmm. that Kia brings. And that can't be, can't be overestimated. And as, as I could see on your face, though, having a pantry makes you feel like you're at home. And uh, we really, 
um, leverage that knowledge and, and took advantage of that situation, mm-hmm. perhaps to 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 uh, appeal to embassy staff. Yeah, it's yeah. I think. Go ahead. Sorry. I, I think a lot a lot of people also don't realize is that like they I think they get to kind of choose um you know where they want to live and they have a certain budget so you know they they will basically try to max out the budget so that they, they won't you know they're not like. You know, trying to get the best deal possible. They're trying to get a comfortable place. You know, it's the same as why their entire pantry is filled with, you know, Kirkland signature stuff from Costco when they can get right. something, you know, probably equivalent here, but they would rather just take advantage of the free kind of, uh, you know, services that they have and say, you know what, I want to taste from home. I want my cheese from home. I want my, you know, you know, right. whatever from home. Well, some, some foreigners that aren't you know, there's very two sides of the story. Foreigners that aren't on a budget, aren't on a, a, a company or a government budget, complain that it's expensive for foreigners to live there. Uh, on the other side of the coin, the people that uh, move to Kiev to work, they complain that, you know, without those benefits and without that nest to retreat to, they're not willing to move to Kiev to work. Mm-hmm. And and I, I think one of the, the best ways to explain that is, the, the most expensive cities in the world. And oh, I haven't looked in the last six months, so I, I might be out of date here, but uh. Uh, there's two lists. The one list is the list we're familiar with, where New York, London, Tokyo are the most expensive cities in the world. And then the other list is living at a normal or foreign standard or a, what you're used to standard uh, most expensive cities in the world. And those cities are Kazakhstan, mm-hmm. Ukraine, Russia, three or four African countries. I mean, they're not Zurich or Tokyo. The most expensive cities to live at American standard, if you want to call it that, are developing nations because the the, the demand is high and the supply is low. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but absolutely. Not- you know, like if you want, I think, you know, my, my buddies just got back from, I found where it was in Africa. It was, it was one of the African countries and they right. said they could have lived for $2 a day if they wanted to live like right. a local, or sure. if they wanted just to kind of rest and recover you know, they'd have to check into like a Hilton and it would be like $300 a night. And and those are the only two options. There was, there's nothing in between. Right. Right. Well, I say it all the time. You you can either buy socks for 10 cents or socks for $40. There's no, there's no three, five, three, five dollar socks. I mean, there's nothing in the middle. So uh, that's the reality of the market. Yeah. Yeah. So actually I I had heard this, it makes complete sense. And I think it's a very kind of a, a sexy sell, but at the same time, you know, there's only so many embassy, you know, clients like, like, that that market does get kind of saturated relatively quickly, especially if the kind of word gets out that it's a uh, you know it's profitable. Is that why you guys kind of moved away from it? No, I wouldn't say we moved away from it as a result. I would say that uh, relative. I mean, I mean, we're still getting gross yields on residential of twelve percent mm-hmm. uh, in our first fund. And I have to be careful talking about the funds. I'm not recommending investment in our funds in okay. any way, shape, or form. I'm simply explaining my experience working in the market. You know, we were able to, uh, we got 12.1% gross mm-hmm. yield. So we, we hit our targets. But then a, a couple of years ago, uh, the IT industry started in Kiev. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, it, I, I thought, okay, maybe, no. Ukraine is now one of the top destinations in the world for IT, the level of education, the level of professionalism, uh, of hard work, again, in the IT industry is is amazing. The impact that it's had in the economy in the last couple of years, uh, IT is now the third uh, largest contributor to GDP, uh, and that's just happened in the last five years. Um, And... uh, 
supply and demand. Uh, office supply in Kiev is very, very limited. Um, residential is probably four times less than a, a European country at about 10 square meters per person for residential, whereas in Germany, it's about 40 square meters. So it's massively mm-hmm. undersupplied. But office is even even it's about 10 times less. I, I saw that in Warsaw right now, there's more square meters available for rent than there is entire office square meters in Ukraine. Mm. So the amount of office, and this is due to no lending, no construction, mm. residential, you can pre-sell apartments, office, you can't pre-sell an office before it's mm. constructed. So there's no financing to create office. Uh, office that is created, we were at a, uh, a government uh, sovereign wealth fund uh, last week, uh, the individual rents two desks in about 10 square meters and pays $2,000 a month oh my God. for 10 square meters. So again, we're uh, 10 cent socks or $5 socks and there's nothing in the middle. <clears throat> so uh, especially, uh, and the city of Kiev changed or, or, or isn't worried about office in residential buildings or residential apartments. Mm-hmm. So uh, we saw a real opportunity to buy residential apartments especially very large residential apartments. Why? Because if you think no one has $200,000 in cash, well, no one has $400,000 in cash. So the price per square meter of larger apartments is is much lower than smaller apartments. So we are buying 300, 350, 400 square meter properties, penthouses uh, on the top floors of of buildings, uh, subdividing them, uh, residentially subdividing them so that we have greater pro- uh, exit opportunities and putting office in there. And we're getting uh, uh, yields have come down recently, of course, with COVID. It affected office yields. We were last year getting about 18 to 20% mm-hmm. yields, uh, gross yields again mm-hmm. on uh, office. We're now looking at 13, 14%, but that's at COVID prices. Yeah. So I, I don't promise anything in the future. And those sorts of returns are absolutely not sustainable. You're right. They'll attract investors. No problem. I mean, and we're buying these large um, office spaces just on the edge of the center. Uh, and I mean the real center, the real center of Kiev. For first couple of purchases last year were under $1,000 a meter. And now we're just over $1,000 a meter. So it's cheap. The yields are there. The demand is, oh, we're renting our places before uh, the renovations are finished. Mm. Um, we've had uh, we've had some turnover during COVID, but literally, all IT companies with financing would rent. They they would there would be a hard quarantine where people weren't allowed to go to the office. Mm. They would leave within two weeks. We had new tenants. We're now completely full. Oh wow! Nice. Uh, we have uh, no uh, very little occupancy. Our yields continue to be as projected yeah so that's more that's more the reason we've moved to office we're we are opportunity driven uh i'm keeping an eye right now on on retail uh obviously retail was destroyed just like everywhere else in the world um i haven't seen retail purchase prices come down enough to justify the investment and that's really a shame i was hoping there would be more opportunity there uh we'll see uh but it's going to be have to be something that we're we're going to move on pretty quickly um the other thing i I don't mean to talk too much sorry sorry no 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 so uh, you kind of unpacked a, a few really good things there. So yeah, I watched one of your vid- yeah, I watched one of your videos. Uh, it was a tour of that office space with uh, the wandering investor, right? And he it kind of showed like your your office where it was smart. You know, you took a residential 
you know, penthouse, you know, something that some rich guy or maybe some oligarch or something had owned. And right. you're right. Nobody has $400,000 to buy a piece of property. And it just, I mean, even yeah. if there was a market for it, it just, it, it's a very small amount of people. So it, it's, it will sit on the market for a long time. It's not like a, you know, it was actually never occupied. It, mm-hmm. It's as old. It was still cement. It was, uh, the apartment had been bought, but it had never been renovated for 10 years. And it was mm-hmm. just sitting there. And it was, it was a bit of a special situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, a guy had lent a guy money and taken the property as security against the loan. And the guy didn't pay back the loan, mm-hmm. but, uh, and it took uh, a substantial amount of effort to sort of document, mm-hmm. but uh, our lawyers are good at that. And uh, yeah, I mean, oh, that, that's a, that's a great place. And uh, yeah. And it's amazing. And that's something that I never would have been able to find myself, number one. Or second, I wouldn't be able to deal with that paperwork or get it subdivided. And you even did something even kind of uh, even harder to do is you you got the roof access to basically right. turn that into new, uh, additional square footage. Yeah, we're going to convert. Uh, well, we already have permission to convert. Uh, I don't think it's quite. I think it's around 55 percent of the of the terrace to indoor space. I mean, that's, that's free money. I mean, that's $2,000 a meter. So uh, yeah, that's money can be made there for sure. Yeah. And, and as a kind of a, a, you know, a residential buyer, I have actually just told my agent, don't even show me the top floor because I don't want to have to deal with the roof because (laughs) in, in, you know, Ukraine, it's it's like that. Yeah. If you own the the top floor or, or apartment on the top floor, that's kind of your responsibility. So just, I, it's almost kind of the exact opposite of what you did where you're like, no, I don't mind dealing with these prop these pro, um, these problems because with problems might be opportunity. Well, absolutely, and I, I think Kiev is ideal, but maybe because I know the market and I know who to talk to and I know how to solve the problems. Um, I think people have this perception that the problems uh, are insurmountable and things like corruption or stealing are are, are not preventable, and that's absolutely not true. Uh, it does require some experience, but. And it does require knowing the right lawyers and, and knowing what needs to be done. And it absolutely requires not listening to the brokers mm-hmm. because the, besides the fact that, I mean, for a million reasons, uh, there's no, they don't have any certification. There's no mm-hmm. licensing. Anyone can be a broker. The companies don't have licenses. They don't have insurance. They have no liability. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can lie. Let's not say that they can say whatever it is they want. And, um, and you got to remember, like wages are increasing, but still wages are 800 bucks a month, mm-hmm. um, less than 10,000 bucks a year. A broker can make 5,000 bucks closing one deal. They mm-hmm. are going to do whatever it takes to close that deal. Yeah. So, and say whatever yeah. they can say. I mean, it's the say same whatever. with the, yeah. yeah. It's the oh, same with the, yeah, the, the, even for residential, the real estate agents, you know, or even so-called realtors, which there's no actual realtor association here. None. You know, they basically just say whatever they want. And, you know, they, they say they have their, you know, their team to check the documents and make sure the tiles are clean. I'm like, I don't trust your lawyers to do anything. Like, well, you know, a big problem is normal versus legal. And we, we sometimes talk about this and they will tell you it's absolutely normal. And they're, they're not lying about that. It is absolutely normal to buy an apartment in an illegal manner. Mm -hmm. And um, it's a little bit of the mentality that, it's better to save $100 today and take the risk of $1,000 in costs tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And I don't share that. Um, I pay our lawyers 
uh, $2,000, I pay them $1,000 for legal due diligence on the apartment, oh, mm-hmm. best money spent ever, wow, yeah. and $1,000 to close the deal, including negotiating with the sellers and having the contract in place and all the documents that are required in place. Best money I've ever spent. A local person would couldn't conceive spending $2,000 on a lawyer to close a property. They think that's mm-hmm. wasted money. I think losing a $300,000 apartment is, is more expensive. Uh, so anyways, I highly recommend having a, having a competent lawyer and paying them for proper legal due diligence and proper closing of a property. But like I said, I think these, I think these risks are talked about. I, I think foreigners come to the market, listen to the broker, get greedy, uh, think they know better, think they're, oh, I bought property everywhere. I know what I'm doing. Then run into troubles. Then they bought the apartment illegally. So the, mm-hmm. the way to solve illegal problems is is corruption, which mm-hmm. is avoidable if you just didn't buy the apartment illegally. And then they tell all their friends that Kiev is, is corrupt. Mm-hmm. It has problems. It's a bad market to buy in. I, I'm sorry, but that's your fault. Mm-hmm. And you could have solved that with a thousand dollar legal due diligence on your property, but you thought you were smarter and you thought you should save that thousand dollars. So uh, that's a little bit frustrating for me. Uh, and we, we do offer advisory services to help people negotiate that. But again, a lot of people think they're smarter. So yeah. It as they let it let it be <laughs> yeah and and it's hard because i mean you know what before buying this this property i had basically made an offer on two different places and i had mm-hmm. two cases of you know this this isn't right you know the first was they wanted a suitcase of cash instead of doing a, a bank transfer uh, normal and yeah. illegal yeah and then the second yeah. was the title was technically clear from the notary but my lawyer which which i also paid a lot of money to uh she dug up saying you know it's it has the notary signed off on it but there's technically a uh, a mortgage from a defunct bank in crimea which right Right. now might not collect on you but they're probably going to sell that debt to someone and in five years they might come after it almost guaranteed yeah i mean and that's again save a hundred dollars today and have a huge risk tomorrow not avoidable not that expensive to avoid and unnecessary to take that kind of risk so yeah yeah, you sounds like you had a good lawyer and that sounds like a worthwhile what you did was right yeah yeah so but again these problems are avoidable yeah just please avoid them (laughs) but it's hard i mean and the only reason why I, you know, was able to kind of navigate this is first, I've been coming to Kiev for five years. So I kind of understand the culture. Second is, you know, I did a lot of research and third, I kind of just got lucky, you know, finding a good lawyer. And, you know, this is why I got so excited when I saw your fund is because most, I, I do see the opportunity in Kiev and in Ukraine in general, but I also think that most people who just kind of get excited and just come here for you know a week to to make a deal, they're probably going to get end up getting screwed. Yeah, you know, uh, I uh, maybe I'm Canadian, and I I, I think I, I don't want to oversell or I don't want to compliment myself, and I want to think that the the value is obvious. Uh, but I didn't. I, I was buying in Montenegro and and Serbia and other markets, and I thought I was smarter. And the best thing I could have ever done was get some advisory advice mm-hmm. or, or a local partner or pay someone local to really, I bought in the wrong locations. I bought the wrong properties. I could have made, I could have paid 5% more and, and saved 50% in the end. And uh, I think Kiev is absolutely that kind of market. And I think it's really worth um, 
especially if you don't come to Kiev, you know, a, a, I can't sell our fund. Uh, but, you know, use, use, use people that are knowledgeable in the market to, mm. to help you navigate things. And it, it's absolutely worth it. We had a, we had a, a German guy that was in, in Kiev last week and he put down, a, uh, he, he went to closing of, a, of an apartment and he said, can you help me with the renovation? We looked at the deal and we said, dude, what are you doing? I mean, we charge 5% for advisory, but we could have saved you at least 20% on the purchase price. What you're buying is is market price, but it's not necessary to pay, to pay market price. Mm-hmm. And uh, so now we're assisting him in buying uh, other property. Okay. Actually, so can you tell us a little bit about your fund and your, your services? Okay, so our, our fund is is a, fu- a fully registered EU fund uh, in in Cyprus. It has a, uh, a it's EU twenty eight passportable as they call it. It's, it can be moved to any of the EU twenty eight countries. We have a fully regulated uh, fund manager, fund advisory. Um, I can provide. Uh, it's open only to uh, accredited investors, and the minimum amount of investment is one hundred twenty five thousand euros. Um, I can't. Uh, I, I'm not uh, supposed to to market the fund. I can, uh, if someone would like to contact me and I, I can speak with them and, and talk to them about the fund directly, I can, I can provide more information. Um, for advisory services, we, rec- we, we do offer to people that are in Kiev, uh, maybe have a Ukrainian partner and know the market, know, have been there for a few years and maybe speak some Russian anyways, know their way around. And uh, we do offer advisory services to help them. Um, it's important who you know, just like anywhere. Uh, and and uh, take advantage of our, you know, a lot of people, the brokers are spoiled, as we talked about, and uh, that we buy more than one place really changes the dynamic between us and the brokers. And as a result, we're able to, to leverage that uh, purchasing and we get lower brokerage fees and we get we get to see the better properties so um, just like anything they they save the best properties and they sell the worst possible property to to anyone they can because they save the better ones for people that provide more business so it's it's a normal thing yeah i can definitely see that so yeah. there's kind of two sides of what you guys do one is kind of the advisory side and then the second is the fund and, and they're kind of separate so first on yeah. the advisory side when you say five percent is that on top of the real estate kind of um commission or would that include it yes it is um i mean the fund is buying uh is buying larger properties because they're on a per square meter basis mm-hmm. cheaper and most advisor people aren't willing to invest. You know, it's three, five. We're looking at six, seven hundred thousand dollars for most of our fund purchase, and we're trying to buy larger and larger as as we can because it's relatively cheaper. We can subdivide, and it's it's more profitable uh, for advisory with investments of two, three, four hundred thousand dollars. That's stuff that the fund isn't buying, so we can help with that. Yes, the fee is five percent uh, in addition to brokerage fees. Brokers. Have to be paid unfortunately uh they uh they control the supply and it's pretty hard to do a deal without a broker um nearly nearly impossible in our experience but uh not unprecedented but nearly impossible so we should factor that in um it's five percent but i can guarantee you that you will save more than five percent but again you know a five percent sounds like a lot and um i think people think they could save that money but you're not saving that money but you know i'm not i'm not here to force people to mm-hmm. they have to make their own decisions so um i'm happy to have them speak to people that have worked with us and have have paid us that five percent and they can uh they can explain uh whether it's worth it or not and you can mm-hmm. talk to them 
Yeah. And I, I can say as someone who, you know, has gone through and bought property myself, if I had less experience in Kiev, if I, you know, had lived here, you know, just on vacation, or if I had just come to, to, to invest, I probably would have overpaid and got screwed somehow, either bought the wrong property, did something wrong that would have cost me more than 5%. So, sure. I, you know, for definitely 5% uh, is a lot of money on $400,000 or $200,000. But at the same time, I can see why it's worth it for, for probably the majority of people who are coming here that are not living here, you know, you know, for many years. Well, we could save that just on the purchase price, let alone the, our, our, our say, you know, our connections with the brokers getting the best properties are with our lawyers, with our notaries, with our construction teams. So that's just gravy on top, pretty much. We, we kind of divide uh, people into three different categories, people that never come to Kiev or don't really know the market. And then, then the fund is worthwhile for them. Uh, it's, uh, it's by far the safest way to, to invest. The second kind of person is that comes occasionally, maybe twice a year to Kiev, three times a year. And, uh, then, and the want to invest directly. Uh, and the third kind of person is more like yourself, you know, that's there on a, on a continuous basis and knows the market and, you know, you can do it on your own and that's, that's great. So as far as the fund wise, I, I really like the concept because it's deals that I, none of us really would have access to uh, on our own uh, unless we were you know here basically full time you know basically doing what you're doing uh, right so I like that a lot I, I think this is a, a good way for people to get you know into this market and they can literally do it from anywhere in the world they don't have to be you know, here in Kiev they, yeah. you know if they wanted to they, they can never even have to visit Kiev uh, right you know from your past well, you're protected with it yeah. Right. You're protected with an EU fund structure and uh, you can speak with our, our fund manager. Uh, he's a fully regulated fund manager, award-winning fund manager. Uh, and uh, he can explain that uh, more in, in further detail. But yeah, and you, you know, you get the diversification as well. When you're buying a property yourself, um, you, you're buying one thing and you're taking the risk of one thing with the, with the diversified, obviously diversification is, is proven to be effective and it's an important thing in, in the ukraine market as well to be to be diversified across different sectors of residential and office and uh, and among different properties so that's a that's a very important consideration i often say you know ukraine is i guess risky enough let's um let's not take additional risks yeah. and let's do everything and mitigate our risks we're still going to make we still have the potential to make exceedingly good returns. Mm -hmm. So with uh, the fund, is it just one fund you guys have? Like if somebody buys in today, do they get, uh, are they also invested in, for example, that that office building, the things that you built previously, or would it just be be for future projects? We have two funds. One we launched in 2000, well, the, the original investments in 2015, and it's uh, closing in the next year or two. We might uh, extend it uh, due to COVID, COVID mm-hmm. reasons and the market taking a little bit longer to develop than we thought. Uh, that fund is closed. It's been closed for years to new investment. The second fund, um, and all our funds, we have a, a, a two-year uh, investment period where we mm-hmm. raise money. And uh, the funds are five to seven years. They're five-year closed-end funds, but with the ability to extend them based on market conditions or uh, almost force majeure like COVID could be considered. Um, we, are, we are still raising money for, for the second fund. Uh, we have quarterly closings, and uh, it's important to speak to the fund administrator and the fund manager in, in that regard to, to make sure that you understand the, the risks of the fund 
and uh, of the of the market. Um, we're still raising money on that, and we've been uh, quite uh, successful in raising money recently. Um, uh, things are going well. Yeah, we probably won't be launching another fund for for another couple of years. We'll wait for the, of course, for the the fundraising period to close on the second. Okay. Um, so to, to kind of be be clear on the second yeah. fund, it's open for investment. What's the minimum? It's 125,000 euros and and designate and professional accredited uh, investor okay. designation. Okay. Uh, the the process isn't complicated, but uh, banks are oh, every month almost the KYC of the banks is changing and becoming more mm. strict. Uh, it basically just requires a copy of your passport, fill out the application, mm. uh, a bank reference letter, uh, a copy of your recent utility bill showing your address. Okay. Uh, that's all that's required. But of course, it's important, as I said, to speak to the fund manager and the fund okay. administrator. And you, you say it's it's still kind of going through that investment period. So I'm assuming that for the for the next you know year or two, that money is going to kind of be you know, sitting there, but not, not yet invested into, into property and cash flowing yet. Well, yeah, this is an important consideration. I mean, as, as the first investors come in, we are deploying the money immediately. And on a quarterly basis, we have what's called a, a dilution levy. So the NAV goes up by a minimum of 2% per quarter to reward uh, early mm-hmm. investors. Uh, and uh, we are putting the money to work immediately. However, okay. uh, it's a two-year fundraising period. And then time to buy and time to fully renovate. I mean, uh, to have the money fully invested and deployed and yielding can take three years, three and a half years, perhaps. Uh, I, this is an upside pl- play. It's an upside fund. We are looking to buy uh, very cheap assets that have depreciated 80% that have, I'm not going to say they're going to appreciate back to levels they were of four or five times current values, but the investment is... Um, in, in capital appreciation. The yields are a very nice bonus. It takes time to develop them. Uh, we are concentrated on being opportunity driven and buying cheap and mm-hmm. uh, taking advantage of upside. So okay. the, the cash flow isn't, uh, is nice. I, I, I look at it as a, a downside limiting factor. I mean, mm-hmm. how much could property prices go down? 20%, that would be ridiculous. That would be lower than construction costs. But even if they went down 20%, you're gonna, you're gonna potentially earn dividends of, of, of that amount, which cover the downside risk. What investment can you have very, very limited downside risk, but the opportunity to have very high upside risk? So that's what I look at. I, I look at many investments where you have the opportunity to double or triple your money and you have a very good probability of losing all your money. Mm. I, I'm looking at this as a, a as an ability, and again, guar- returns aren't guaranteed, but you're investing in real assets that we control mm-hmm. that aren't dependent on anyone else, uh, that are uh, eventually yielding and are protecting your any downside. And um, there's a lot of upside there mm. possible. I like it. Yeah, <laughs> I like it a lot. And and what are the fees that your fund charges? Uh, we're a standard hedge fund fee of uh, two and twenty. So we charge two uh, percent annually on the NAV uh, and twenty uh, percent of the carry, twenty percent of the upside. So it's a it's a standard uh, hedge fund structure. It's maybe not a standard uh, REIT structure, certainly because mm-hmm. a REIT doesn't involve a lot of work. We are doing a lot of work and uh, you know taking advantage of specific opportunities, buying cheaper. And, and, and it, it's, it's a lot of work. So mm-hmm. to be honest, the two and 20 is, 
probably not rewarding us enough, but uh, it's a fair structure for everyone. And, um, and on advisory, like I said, we pay, we charge 5% of the purchase price payable after you've purchased the property uh, on renovation, 10% of the renovation amount and for property management, 10% of the, of, of the rent. So we, we're motivated, especially to to get you the highest possible rent and to keep the keep the costs low so that the, your rents are higher and you're earning more money. I like it. I, I think it's fantastic. I, I think, you know, I'm very happy that I found, uh, you know, you, you guys, because this is something that needs to exist in Kiev. I, I think without it, it's just kind of yeah. like wandering through uh, the desert trying to trying to figure it out. So th- thank you there's for being two, around. There's two property funds in Ukraine. Can you, and yeah. it's, it's basically dragging capital, which is <clears throat> Goldman Sachs and Warren Buffett or, or no, or, mm-hmm. or, and Soros and, or, or us. And that's crazy, but uh, you know, we're small. Uh, we're going to stay small. Uh, I want to be able to, to take advantage of specific situations. I don't want to be buying at the market. I want to be buying yeah. better than the market, better properties in the market. Um, I think that, uh, you know, results in superior returns. So we're going to okay. stick to that strategy. And would people get paid in, you know, Grivna or in Euro or, you know, if they're... No, no, no. Well, no. Well, the market's in dollars, but the uh, the, fund, the fund structure, it, it is a European fund uh, and dividends are paid from Cyprus. All our rents are in dollars. Um, the money coming into Ukraine's in dollars and we can expri- expatriate dollars back to Cyprus. So uh, we, we consider the fund a, a dollar-based investment. Okay. Um, so if somebody wanted and- to invest or, or cash out in dollars, is that possible? You know, it's, uh, well, the investment is, it's in the EU. So we, the minimum is 125,000 euros. So investments okay. are in euros and dividends are typically paid in dollars. And the, uh, the payout at the end is dollars or euros. No, there's no... Uh, I would guess the, the the underlying fundamental investment is is sort of a Grievna based uh, investment mm-hmm. as we were talking about the but the fund is uh, hard hard currency. So. Okay, no, I, I'm asking like uh, as an American, if you wanted to invest, uh, can they invest into your fund in dollars or do they have to convert it to, to euros, and, and also on the no, cash out? Well, we have to be very careful with with mm-hmm. with U.S. investors. Obviously, uh, we do have U.S. investors. I am not encouraging. Uh, and I have to say, I, I have to say this that I'm not encouraging U.S. people to 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 invest in the fund. Uh, we do have uh, U.S. In- investors; they can invest in in dollars. I'd be glad to talk to them. But I mean, obviously, the 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 bank restrictions for investment are are, are very substantial now, mm-hmm. and uh, the the decisions of who can invest is up to the fund administrator, the fund manager, the depository, okay. and the. So okay. they, it has to be a qualified person, and I can't encourage you. Uh, there's there's strict worldwide uh, restrictions from U.S. investors investing in non-U.S. investments. So I have okay. to be to be very careful about that. Okay. So t- talk to your fund manager if you're if you're American and you're interested to get from more information. information. Okay. And th- is the hundred twenty thousand euros negotiable at all? You know, because someone no. will come to you. That so that's no, I'm fixed. Sorry, because that's. Uh, that's uh, that's again. That's basically EU law. Uh, okay. So it has to. Be, it's protecting investors. It's mm-hmm. it's ensuring that they're able to understand the risk and 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 have the ability to to potentially lose uh, a significant amount of money. So that's uh, not negotiable, uh, unfortunately. But that's okay. uh, the banks are getting stricter and stricter, and that's one of the restrictions that they have in place. Okay. 
entrepreneurs. So if people want to get inf- more information, how can they reach out? Do they just go to krer.eu or is there a better place to reach you? That's definitely possible. You can email me at js at krer.eu um, or, or get, get in touch through yourself. And uh, I'd be glad, you know, uh, if, if anyone is considering in, in investing, it's very important to, to speak with me directly. And so we can explain, you can ask any questions you want. I can provide any information you need. Uh, I can better explain, you know, the risks and how we mitigate those risks. And uh, like, like we've said, talk to the fund administrator and the fund manager as well to, to fully understand the risks of the investment. It's Ukraine. I mean, it's, a, it's not a U.S. government bond. That's, that's mm. for sure. And it's important to understand the risks uh, inherent in the market. Yeah, <laughs> but definitely high risk, high returns, potentially. Yep. Uh, so that's JS as in John Suget at K-R-E-R.eu. Kiev Real Estate Recovery Funds. Right, exactly, yeah. So I'm happy to provide uh, further information. Uh, This isn't a solicitation to invest and we're not advertising the fund. I'm just happy to talk about my experience in the market. And, uh, you know, I'm I'm really glad to promote Ukraine. I think uh, in the press it gets, the spotlight's always negative and the investors that come there, like we talked about, aren't, aren't necessarily careful enough. And I think the, the, the press gets out that it's, it's riskier than it really is. And I'm glad mm-hmm. to just to talk to people about the market. Super glad to have people come to mm-hmm. Kiev, show you around, show you what we're doing, uh, introduce you to people. Uh, that's no charge. I, I'm glad to promote the market. I'm, I'm a believer in the market. So I, I believe it's important to, you know, show people around and it's a, it's, it's a surprising place. So come and visit. Yeah. Be glad to, Take you out for lunch, show you around, show you what we're doing. Sounds great. Thanks so much for coming on the show, John. Pleasure. Yeah, really good to talk to you. If, uh, if you need anything, don't hesitate. So Johnny's officially a Kiev owner, and he purchased a unit there in Kiev Grivnas, which I learned on this episode, has a soft peg. Uh, to the U.S. dollar. Well, yeah, congratulations, Johnny. <laughs> Thank you. Actually, I don't know if you know this, but I actually bought two properties. I, I, I we haven't formally talked about it, but I knew through just the uh, yeah somehow in passing. I've been so, so fast paced the last like week. Everything's just a blur from getting. I went from um, the U.S. I had to my flight got canceled, Johnny, going into uh, via the the UK. They had to reroute me because I didn't have a COVID test. Oh, and if you no. go through a country, if you transit through a country, even though you're not stopping in that country or or uh, you know going through um, immigration, you still have to have their rule set, apply by the yeah. rule set. Okay. And I called American Airlines before I left. They go, I'm transiting through the UK. Do I need a negative COVID test? I have the vaccination. They go, No, you're not. You're just transiting. So I show up to the airport and they go, You need a COVID test. So you know that like sinking feeling in your stomach. Yeah. And I needed to be. I needed to be in Spain two days later to start the Camino de Santiago with a group of friends. Oh, nice. Okay. And, and I was like, okay, uh, everything's off canceled, like horrible feeling. And then, and then I remembered they had a flight via Miami direct to Barcelona. I go, wait, 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 can you reroute me through Barcelona, uh, through Miami? And they go, no, we don't have any, uh, that flight anymore. I go, I just checked like three hours ago and you had it. And she looked it up and sure enough, they had it. So luckily I was able to get to Barcelona, then immediately basically flew to uh, Northern northern Spain and started uh, five days on the Camino de Santiago and just got back today to Barcelona. So it's been a whirlwind. Um, but yeah, I did hear that you bought 
two properties now. Um, that happened fast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That is funny. And actually, congrats on completing uh, at least part of the Camino de Santiago. That's been on my bucket list. How was it? And I'll tell you, it was um, it was more difficult than I expected. About 25k a day, um, oh. but the, it, it it rained a lot. And I will say, like, it was nice, the, like the cultural part of it, the, the, the tapas and you stop three or four times a day and drinking red wine and cervezas and stuff was awesome. The trail was light. There, it wasn't that beautiful, um, like compared to our walk on the Wicklow Way, Johnny, when we did it that in Ireland. Amazing. Yeah. That was like, I, I think that was way, way better. And if I had yeah. to pick one or the other, but this was, it was great. It was just great to get out in nature and be with a group of guys again and uh yeah. you know feel like things are, are relatively normal and and when you said it was hard it was just the the mileage would would you have been able to just extend the trip and say you know let's do this in 10 days and let's do 12k a day yeah there's like pre you can start the camino de santiago from like dozens of different locations um you know from portugal to france to to central Spain, you know, you pick, pick a place basically and start walking towards Santiago, which is a city in Spain, but, uh, there's some common routes, uh, and kind of predetermined itineraries. Like when, when the Camino is like fully ramped up and times are normal, there's like 2000 people a day starting from different locations. Like it's a really, really popular walk. Mm. Um, so there's, there's like tourism that, that basically is built up to support this um so we just I, I didn't do any planning for it i just hopped on the itinerary of a guy that was planning it uh, and it was super easy but yeah if you wanted to spread it out more or less you, you definitely could yeah it's definitely one of the, the things i want to do in the future uh but in that kind of slow way so uh definitely would like to hear about that more in the future um and also about your barcelona barcelona apartment in the future as well and i think we're gonna, maybe we can even do a dedicated episode about it uh coming up but for today's episode, let's talk about Kiev. What are your thoughts after listening to this interview? Well, I've always thought that Kiev was a place that had incredible value or Ukraine as a whole. Johnny and I went there must have been seven or eight years ago for the first time. Um, and I actually, I wasn't overly impressed by Kiev, but I didn't see it that much. And it was like raining and, you know, it just wasn't the, the proper environment to see the city. But when I got to Lviv, which is LVIV, and um, where else did I go? A couple other places. But I was like, wow, this is like spectacular in terms of the, the people there, um, the, the infrastructure, uh, the price, of course. So all that means really, really good value. Uh, and then since then, we've really watched the, the kind of tech scene develop there in terms of, of um, software engineer talent. Uh, Kiev might be second to none at this point. Uh, or Ukraine might be second to none at this point. So I've always had it held the Ukraine in high regard. Um, and we've talked about this previously where it's like some, something's going to give, right? There's, there's places in the world that are just too cheap right now. And the Ukraine is, in my view, is one of them. So um, everything on the episode pointed towards supporting that narrative, which is, I think it's a great opportunity. We know what the risks are. You know, Mother Russia's out there that's uh, kind of provoking things. We don't know how that's going to turn out with NATO, et cetera. But other than that, you'll be hard pressed to find better value in the world than in the Ukraine. Yeah, definitely. So have you really not been back here since that first trip we, we went on uh, to that your buddy's wedding together? Yeah. So we did Odessa, Lviv, and Kiev. And 
I've been to Russia since, but I haven't been to the Ukraine since. Wow. Okay, I'm gonna put a uh, a a bet out there that this um, I guess in a few weeks when you're out here for my 40th birthday and for the iLab Patreon meetup, I think you're gonna be really impressed to a point where you're either gonna to want to stay longer or you might even want to buy a place. I, I really believe you're gonna be shocked how how much nicer it's gone in just those last couple of years. Wow, oh, I'm excited. Uh, you mentioned this in the episode about missing coffee shops. And that was one of my big takeaways. And that's often a big takeaway I have of going to places. I'm like, everything is nice, but there's not the coffee shop scene. And it's very spoiling for anyone that's spent much time in uh, in Chiang Mai. It's a very spoiling place to be because you kind of get used to that coffee shop scene. And then every other place is like subpar. Um, but that was one of the big takeaways is it was in and, and same way, like uh, similar in like Playa del Carmen. I'm like, everything's great, but internet and the coffee shops are missing. Um, but that was my takeaway in, in Kiev. And um, I, I would be very excited to get back there and try some of that Ukrainian coffee. Yeah, it's fantastic. I mean, literally within three blocks for me, there's probably at least 10 coffee shops now. While before there was maybe one, if not zero. So mm-hmm. it's, it's changed a lot. It's like That's Chiang awesome. Mai. It's really like the new Chiang Mai. So what's your plan with your apartments? You have to renovate both of them or are they, are they ready? Just, you're just going to outfit them with some furniture. No. So the, the Kiev one needs pretty much a, a, I thought it was going to be like a cosmetic renovation, but now that I've uh, spoken to a couple of contractors and designers, I've realized it's going to be like almost a, a full renovation, which is going to, is actually a lot more than I had expected cost-wise <laughs> and just time-wise. But I'm living here right now in a completely empty apartment that I'm sleeping on a mattress on the floor. And I only bought that just to because I felt <laughs> stupid not living here. Um, yeah. You know, so I bought like a cheap mattress from Ikea and I'm like, all right, I'm just going to live here with no furniture at all. I mean, there's, there's literally rooms in here that I just don't go into some days just because there's nothing in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's <laughs> funny. Yeah. So what are you, what are you planning on putting in of, uh, in terms of renovation and furniture in terms of costs? You know what? Honestly, I have no idea. Like it, I, in my mind, I was hoping to do like a very light cosmetic touch up and spend anywhere between 10 and 20 K us dollars. Mm-hmm. Now I'm, I'm looking at maybe 30 to like 40 plus K. So we're going to see, let's, uh, let's leave that for another episode. Just cause first I don't yeah. want to think about it, but second, honestly, I don't know. Like it's, it's, it's <laughs> right. been complicated. Um, and let's compare costs and, and time schedules and all that. But as far as, uh, buying real estate in Kiev Mm. in Ukraine. Uh, This is kind of uh, what I've taken away from it is in the last just year alone, property prices have started going up by maybe even 15% while rent prices actually haven't really gone up. So I think that in the next couple of years, either property prices are going to continue going up and it's going to drive rent prices up or something, you know, could happen and, you know, things might fall back down, but I I think it's actually just going to go up from here. Uh, I think that it's one of the few places in the world where property prices are still affordable and actually a good value because in the U S you have, you know, these cheap mortgages that just drive up the price here. It's crazy that there's still no such thing as credit or mortgages. So unless you have $150,000 in, in, cash to buy a place you just you're not buying a place um, or you're buying a place out in the outskirts 
and and I really, really, truly believe that even though every Ukrainian I've ever met thinks it's a better idea to buy new construction in the suburbs outside of the city and commute, you know, 20, 30 minutes into the city, mm-hmm. I think they're all going to be disappointed in a few years and, and they're going to want to move back into the city, kind of like in, in the, what happened in the U.S. Yeah, that's an interesting play. But the, the thing about lending, it, it really opens our eyes to the rest of the world because we just assume that credit is easy to come by in the U.S. and, and around the world. Um, that was that was similar to my first experience in, when buying in Thailand was like run, part of the reason that re, the prices were so low is because it was really difficult for anyone to get credit, locals or foreigners there. So it was basically a cash market. Um, and it sounds like that's, that's what the Ukraine is. But it, to me, that sounds like... Un- potentially a really big opportunity if if like the ukraine was able to join the eu or um like would credit and lending become a lot easier there probably right um but hard to tell how that's all going to play out we just know what happens when lending becomes widely available in like you know places look at the most expensive real estate in the world it's places that's easy to get credit yeah absolutely and and i don't think the I don't think Ukraine needs to even join the EU to develop the credit system. I think it's going to come regardless. I think it's going to come uh, in the next couple of years anyways, you know, uh, because it just doesn't make sense. Like, especially if somebody, let's say they already own property, why not be able to use that as, um, you know, as kind of a secured loan? I mean, Mm -hmm. there's, there's no reason why they can't secure loans now. Uh, I mean, with, you know, with other kind of unsecured loans, yeah, I understand it's going to be a bit more complicated, but I do think that something's going to happen in the next couple of years. It's going to make it easier for people to to uh, to borrow money. The interest rates are going to drop from, you know, a ridiculous 14% to sub 10. Uh, and people are going to start buying on credit. It's going to drive the prices up. It's, it's uh, it has to come. I mean, it just, it doesn't make any sense the way it is right now. And I think that alone would bring the prices up. So even if I don't renovate and I just kind of held on to this place, I, I actually have a, a feeling um, it will build up, but who knows? I mean, that's kind of a, a gamble I'm taking. And I think that there's a lot, like, I think a lot of people should come check it out. I mean, look for yourself, you know, um, I don't advise anyone to come and just buy a place without actually going through a professional like these guys or living here for a few years and kind of understanding mm-hmm. it more because there is a lot of shady paperwork and scams out there. So I'm glad these guys exist. Right. Um, you know, John seems like a really cool guy. Uh, I'm looking forward to kind of meeting up with him for, for lunch maybe this week and just kind of getting to know him better. But honestly, I think if I wasn't living here and I would actually just, if I, and I wanted to invest in kind of the upside of Kiev, I would just go through their fund because even though it has that kind of two and 20 um, fees, I actually do generally believe that they have access to deals that I would never be able to either find myself or be able to afford myself. And I, yeah. and he was absolutely right where, you know, this space of like kind of sub hundred thousand dollars there, uh, a lot of people are competing there. I mean, it's in, literally impossible to find a decent, property for under $100,000 in Kiev, because that's where everyone is looking. Nobody's looking over 300,000, you know, or 400,000, because there's nobody has that cash. So that's where funds like his can come in and say, look, nobody else is going to buy this. So (laughs) we'll take it, but we want a huge discount. And I think there's a lot of opportunity there. What's what was your strategy in buying two places when it seems like you believe in just investing in this fund, if you want upside in 
well, in, in the Ukrainian property market, but what was your strategy in buying two? Yeah. So the first one was to get permanent residency. Uh, it required a hundred thousand dollar investment. Uh, and I figured this is a place that I actually want to live myself. Um, if I can rent it out, it'd be nice, but if I can, you know, it either way, you know, it's just an investment that gets me this residency. The second one uh, actually isn't in Kiev. It's in a smaller city called Kharkiv, and it's kind of a student city. And the only reason why I bought it <laughs> was because I knew how much of a pain in the butt it was to buy and find a decent place in, in Kiev. And when I was in Kharkiv, which I believe is a very nice city that has potential, you know, has a, a huge university population, has a growing IT population, and it's the second biggest city in, in Ukraine with over 2 million people. So it's not a small city. There, the prices are basically what Kiev was, you know, like at its low piece. In, in Kiev, you'd be hard pressed to find uh, a place that's like in, in the center in a good location and renovated for less than uh, $2,500 per square meter. And even then at, at that price point, it's just, they're hard to find. Like you're, you're spending, you know, three, 3,000 plus to, to be able to find a place like that. Uh, a kind of a, a crappy place that needs renovation might still close cost close to 2000 in Kharkiv. I was shocked to see a place that was a thousand dollars a square meter which is, you know, under, I, I don't know what that would be for it's cheap, foot, but it's, it's really cheap. It's like nothing. It's yeah. like the cost of building. Yeah. That was right in the center, a five minute walk away from my favorite coffee shop, from the kind of most central metro station. It was fully furnished, fully renovated, and it was $37,000. Mm. And I was like, it's, this is <laughs> stupid if I don't buy this. It sounds like when we were doing the one year home episode in Italy, yeah. <laughs> he was like, but like, yeah, what really came out to 37,000, but I'm like, well, that's yeah. still a pretty sick deal. Yeah. And, and imagine being able to find that place in Italy, but instead of being in like some small village in the no in middle of nowhere, it's in like, you know, some second tier Italian city. So not like Milan or uh, Venice, but instead mm -hmm. it's in like, I don't know, Pisa or uh, Bologna or something, you know, some of yeah. that there's still a lot of people and imagine that is fully renovated moving ready and furnished like you would just hop on it you would just be like okay it makes sense know, let's just try it yeah it makes sense well I'm, this is going to be one of those episodes and and kind of events investing events that's going to be really fun to track over the coming years both in terms of how it works out for you how much you enjoy spending time in the ukraine and um it would just be interesting to, to watch like it's it could go in so many different directions it could go these properties could go up five or ten times there could be a war there could be i don't know but i'm i'm excited i'm glad you made this investment so we can follow it and i'm also excited to um to see what you do with the renovations and how that comes out um both in terms of cost and and uh you know your vision of it yeah, I'm, I'm equally as excited. So let's talk about that on the on the kind of upcoming episode. Uh, but if you guys listening want to come and check out some real estate here in Kiev and in Kharkiv, we're actually going to be looking at some property together with my agent here in Kiev. And then we're going to take a train together to Kharkiv to check out that city and some of those deals during kind of the Invest Like a Boss Meetup 2021. I'm glad we're finally be able to meet in person again with everyone. It's super easy to get into Ukraine. If you have a vaccine, you don't need a PCR test. You just basically show up. Um, we'll have details about that in both of the Boss Lounge as well as the Patreon group. But just to give everyone the dates, uh, starting July 13th, which is just uh, two days after my birthday, I mean, Sam and Derek are going to be in town uh, to hang out 
anyways, so we figured, you know what? Let's do a formal Invest Like a Boss meetup starting 13th. It's going to be for VIP Patreons. We're going to have a small kind of dinner gathering. And then for all Patreons, starting the 14th through the 20th we're going to, of July, uh, we're going to be meeting in Kiev. We're going to be doing a ton of fun stuff like, you know, pool parties and kind of just dinners and, and going out and also looking at real estate. And then that weekend, we're going to head over to Kharkiv together because I really think that's where the deals are. If you want like easy 10% returns, you know, you buy a place for, you know, $37,000, you rent it out for 370 bucks a month or, you know, 20 bucks a night. And it's kind of a, the easiest place to get a return. So if you want to join, uh, just say you're in on the Patreon. You can be any level Patreon, even the $5 a month, and we'll send you the details. Love it. Well, I'm looking forward to it, Johnny, and uh, uh, also a big, uh, big 40th birthday for you coming up. So excited for that. Um, but this was a great episode. I appreciate John coming on the show and learning about uh, the Ukraine. It's a market that we haven't really covered before, but an exciting place it looks like to invest for the future. Yeah. Awesome. See you out here uh, very shortly, Sam, and hopefully all of you listening as well. Take care and thanks to all the Patreons for supporting. And I hope all of you can make it out here to Kiev. I would love to meet and hang out with all of you in person. Great. See you guys all next week. Thanks for listening to the Best Like a Boss podcast. Join our mailing list at investlikeaboss.com to get exclusive access to our insider investment folios and our private members forum. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Tell your friends and leave us a review in the iTunes store. It helps more than you know. See you guys next week.